1: We're going to get to some of the comments by Luke Getze that I thought was very interesting, it's the first time we've heard from Luke in a long time. I um, wanted to get your thoughts on a couple of the other assistants who, who spoke and, and sp- uh, specifically kind of uh, what they said. Uh, Richard Hightower, the special teams coordinator, I felt like said some interesting things as it pertained to Valus Jones and competition. He also talked about how the value, you mentioned Tyler Scott and also Roshan Johnson. These are young men who are going to maybe have roles in the offense, but I think that he sounded excited about their potential contributions on the special teams. That's why they were drafted because they had shown a willingness and an ability to contribute in the kicking game. And that's not something that you overlook, especially when you're talking about rookies.
0: The work is usually heaviest for a special teams coordinator when you have this level of roster turnover because you're mixing and matching so many new new pieces. You have to figure out what your offensive coordinator wants to protect in his room, what your defensive coordinator wants to protect in his room, and you've got to find guys that can be there for you. Roshan Johnson, we talked about, has gotten every uh, – superlative of praise and adjective that can be thrown at him in his first two weeks as a Chicago Bear. Richard Hightower uh, was one, uh, another one to add to the list of testimonials over the weekend, uh, you know, saying, look, like you watched a Texas film and you watch this guy cover kickoffs and he plays violent. And so there's an excitement that you've got a running back that can go down and and tackle some people on special teams willingly and, and aggressively. And so you've got that piece of the puzzle. Roshan Johnson played four phases in college. It's no, uh, you know, mystery to him, what special teams is about and he's willing to do it and should make an impact there, um, quickly and for as long as he's needed until he maybe potentially climbs the ladder in the running backs room. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, and then, you, you know, like again with Richard and and the pieces he's got to put together on special teams, you just have to find who your leaders are and who those guys are that can be tone setters. DeAndre Houston Carson was here for a long time. He was kind of the guy after Sherrick McManus who wore that special teams uh, you know crown as as the guy that you look to every week to give that unit a, a jolt. He's still on the street, so you have to find a replacement there and somebody that can can jump in and be that
1: guy for you. Could he be that guy? Could they bring him back? It, it, it's
0: possible. You know, I, I don't know at this point why right. he's still available because you think a guy like that who has been um, so team first, so selfless, so capable of handling roles that you want as a depth piece, hasn't found a, a home either here or elsewhere yet.
1: But we've seen other examples of guys around the league, veterans still unsigned that might have overestimated their value in free agency and maybe are just waiting for the dust to settle in some of these depth charts and roster spots as teams kind of fill in rookies wherever they can. Maybe DHC ends up back in Chicago where he has been, you know, a very quiet but steady contributor.
0: No question. Yeah, and so, that you know, look, this roster is going to be fluid. Rich Campbell used to call it roster mechanics, and they're going to happen weekly, you know, from now through pretty much Labor Day. Guys in the door, guys out the door, guys out the door who come back in, new guys who come in, old guys who get sent out. It's going to be like this. This churn is going to be
1: ongoing for a while, and we'll obviously keep tap on it. Did Richard Hightower leave the door open for Valus Jones to – be challenged as the primary return person? Do you think that's... Yeah,
0: the door is open. I I mean, yeah, I mean, there's going to be challengers for everything right now. And I think that's kind of one of the key messages from all the coaches up there. Uh, you, you know, you even heard it in Darnell Wright's voice on Friday where you know he said something to the effect of like, yeah, I got drafted. Well, now I got to fight to earn a roster spot. And I wanted to raise my hand and say, Darnell, like, you could probably take a deep breath here. I'm pretty sure you're going to be on the week one roster in September. Really no worries there. But there are a lot of guys that have to understand that there's nothing uh, guaranteed and that nothing is
1: safe and no role is uh, there for them. And so that's going to be part of this offseason for sure. Along the lines of what roles different players will play, I thought it was interesting to hear Alan Williams asked a question about how important the three technique defensive tackle is in this scheme. And we've talked about it all off season long. And then he corrected the questioner and, and basically interjected that, Hey, Hey, we have <laughs> a three technique tackle in this defense. And Justin Jones is that guy. And they're going to rely on waves of defensive linemen coming in like the great, not good. He corrected himself there too. Great defenses <laughs> do. Which I think was his way of answering the question. Number one, they feel good about Justin Jones, and secondly, it doesn't really matter where Jaron Dexter and Zach Pickens fit in specifically. They're going to be part of a uh, of of a movement, a collect, uh, a committee, if you will, of defensive linemen. They're going to try to you know stop the run and rush the quarterback. Well, it's
0: notable that you said that because I don't know that I have heard Justin Jones's name mentioned since February, right? And even I had to sit up straight in my chair and go, "Oh, that's right." Right? Like he's still number one on the depth chart right. at three tech. And even though they took two hybrid defensive tackles on day two of the draft and the third late in the, the draft in round seven, you've still got a guy here who was kind of the plan B when the Larry Joby signing fell through, who came in and played pretty well. It goes underappreciated because the defense fell apart dramatically in the final ten games of last season, allowed I think 33.1 points per game in their ten-game losing streak to end the year. We're giving up more than 400 yards per game during that stretch. And it was just a gross display of Bears defense. Well, now you've got to get that improved, and some of that's going to start with the guys who are already in house. Justin Jones is one of those guys. And so when we get back to uh, OTAs next week, you, you say, okay, you're not the forgotten man anymore. You know, you're the guy taking the first team reps, and now it's your turn to uh, to take advantage of the the, the window of opportunity that's there for you. Um, there is, you know, there's just a puzzle here that needs to be put together. And Alan Williams will do it on offense, or on defense. Luke Getzi will do it on offense. Matty Ruflus will oversee everything. And hopefully by the time we get to September, we have a better sense of what this team's identity is supposed to be.
1: So we did hear from the great Getzey, Luke Getzey, first time in a while that he has been behind the microphone. Certainly the first time since uh, the Bears drafted the presumed, the presumed starter at right tackle in Darnell Wright. And Dan, uh, I'll let you set up the question because of the way that the, it was asked and answered by Luke getzi about the role that Darnell Wright will play in this offense.
0: Yeah. Well, first and foremost, you know, Luke's first uh, extensive experience with Darnell Wright came in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. And he's coaching the American team down there. And he gets an opportunity for a week to work with that team. And Darnell Wright being part of that process gave uh, Luke an opportunity to to see what this looked like up close. The scouting staff is obviously taking care of all the scouting reports initially, and Ryan Poles in the front office and the talent evaluation team is doing their own gathering. But Luke sees a, a, a guy who, who looks the part, you know, and works with a guy who says, okay, there's, there's some things there. And I wouldn't say that that was the pivot point in, in convincing the Bears to draft Darnell Wright, but it certainly was part of their process. And so we had a chance to kind of ask Luke about what he sees uh, in Darnell Wright in his skill set, and here was some of that exchange.
2: I just think it's it's unique for someone that big to be able to bend and be that athletic and as, as explosive as he is. I think that's just um, it's hard to come around guys that are that big, that long. Like the length is unbelievable, and the power is unbelievable. And then be able to have that athleticism go with it too was was all really cool. You've got two tackles that can really move
0: in space now. What does that do for you as an offensive coordinator? When guys mean
2: you guys can really do like that. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean that's kind of the. The history of, uh, you know, of, of what I've been around in this league, I mean, having athletic offensive linemen is really valuable to what we want to do and what we want to accomplish. So I think as many of those types of guys that we can get is going to make us better for sure And getting to do what we want to do.
1: So athletic offensive linemen, Dan, there was a day when that was when that was an oxymoron, but I don't <laughs> think we're in those days any longer because you've got to be able to move. Uh, let's face it, you go back to free agency and uh, – some of us kept beating the drum for Orlando Brown Jr. And it was always kind of the undercurrent. Well, he's not a good scheme fit here because of some of the things that stylistically, and he may not have been that kind of guy fluid as an athlete. And so I think sounds like Darnell Wright and Braxton Jones, give them the prototype of the kind of tackles they're looking for in this scheme to make it work. So now they just got to stay healthy because it's a nice problem to have. I always liken it to, you look at like we're in the, the Cubs are in our midst, right? And you're talking about developing young pitching and drafting, developing guys who will be in your rotation for a while. Offensive tackles is kind of the same mentality. You love the idea and the possibility of having Braxton Jones on the left side and uh Darnell Wright on the right side. They're not perfect, they're going to be flawed, but boy, if they could develop on the same uh, pay pace. That's going to be great for the Chicago Bears.
0: So you've used the word three times, which is the operative word in this whole discussion. It's develop. You know, those guys both have to develop, they have to stay healthy and then they have to develop Braxton Jones. And I've had these conversations with people inside the building. There was considered a success in 2022, largely because he was a fifth round pick out of Southern Utah in 2023. He's a veteran offensive tackle starting and protecting Justin Fields blind spot. So the, the entire, um, Grading scale is changed. The curve is different now. You're going to be evaluated differently. And so now you have to perform as a veteran starting left tackle in this league and figure out if you can be a standout at that position. Because if you can't, then they've got to turn in a different direction and figure out which way it goes. Darnell Wright looks like a guy that has all the skills and all the intangibles to be a, a guy that you can build with for the next five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. Well, one of the questions, I wouldn't call it a concern, but questions that teams had about Darnell Wright through the pre-draft process was, does this guy have the wiring to give you everything he has all the time? The Bears put that to the test in the now well-documented private workout in Knoxville on April 8th last month. Well, you passed that test for one day in Tennessee on your home campus. Now can you pass it for six years? You know, every single day in that building. And so that's part of his development is, is, is figuring out whether that that beast that he showed throughout that entire day, that no quit determined, you know, monster is going to be there every single day to help propel
1: this offense to heights that it hasn't seen in a long time. When is that documentary on Hulu anyway? The documentary <laughs> that sh- worked out? Yeah, it should be, I think, probably by Halloween. Okay, that's good to know. All right. So uh, Luke Getzey also, this is the first time that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, but I think the first time we've got to hear what he thought about the trade uh, that brought DJ Moore back in return. And he was uh, excited (laughs) to talk about what DJ Moore means to Justin Fields and also the play caller.
0: Yeah, you'll hear a couple questions here for Luke. Notably to me, Luke didn't really remember where he was when he learned of the DJ Moore trade. I know where I was. I think you know where you were. Luke, it kind of slipped his memory, but he knows that they've gotten a tier one receiver here to um, catalyze this offense, in particular, the passing attack and help Justin Fields have a guy that he can count on in big moments to go get the football. You know, go get us a first down. Go get us in the end zone. Go turn this three into seven. Let's see what we can do. Uh, Here was the string of questions we asked Luke about DJ Moore
2: quarterback receiver relationship we've talked about this in here is so important right I mean I think that you know as as great of a quarterback it can be or as great of a receiver can be if there's not a relationship and a connection between the two of them then it doesn't really matter and so I think they're they're in that phase right now of getting to know each other what's cool is DJ's experiences uh, that he's had he's had to play with a few different quarterbacks and a few different systems uh, so you can tell that you know he doesn't really get phased by the new which is going to be really good and then once those two can Communicate with one another you know body language uh you know quick communication verbally and stuff i think all that will get better as we get going and it's been fun to see those guys throw some routes on air as we you know we're in this phase two part of it
0: where were you when you got word of that addition
2: of, of dj yeah yeah i don't know Probably somewhere with one of my kids, somewhere doing something, but I'm not sure. Oh, for sure, for sure. I've I uh, had a lot of I have a lot of friends that have coached in Carolina, and immediately when it happened, they all called and just talked about the kind of man that we're getting on this football team more than anything. So we're really, really, really excited about that.
1: How do you not remember (laughs) the moment in your offseason your career changed?
2: (laughs) I mean,
0: I don't know if it was just a brain fart. Maybe we can probe him later on and get more specifics on that. But that was, uh, that was an interesting moment. He's obviously very excited to have DJ in that, in that receiver's room and to really up the the level of competition for the guys below him, you know, I think there's an expectation inside House Hall that at the minimum Darnell Mooney will be ready for training camp. All uh, buzz that I've heard is pointing to the direction that Darnell will be ready to go when they put the, uh, the you know, the, the helmets and uniforms on for the first training camp practice conceivably he could be ready before the 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 veteran minicamp is over we're just gonna have to keep eyes on this over the next month to see where he is you know is he off to the side doing anything can we see with our own eyes how he looks jogging around moving around um you know me with injuries it's like i need to to see things rather than hear things about a player that's suffered a significant injury darnell certainly in that in that case
1: dj moore chase claypool darnell mooney equanimity st brown bayless jones dante pettis Tyler Scott, there's seven receivers in that room. Am I missing anybody? That's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty uh, crowded room, but it's also one that has more depth than they have had since this regime arrived. Certainly.
0: Right. And it's, I mean, it's easy to get um, sort of hung up and be like, Oh, well, there's there's seven names that we know here. And so that means they're, they've got a better receiving core. Well, there's a lot of question marks, On a lot of those names, Chase Claypool, a lot of question marks, Phyllis Jones, a lot of question marks. I think we've documented that Equinemius St. Brown and Dante Pettis are here until they're not. Uh, So now it's like, what, what are the questions that these other guys can answer? I think DJ Moore's question that he has to answer is how quickly can he get up to speed with Justin Fields? You feel confident about that because of the number of different quarterbacks he had to play with in Carolina and how his production was fairly consistent over the entirety of his time there. Uh, because he was able to adapt and adjust. But, you know, a lot of these guys have a, a lot to prove here. I think the Bears put their arms around that and say, good. You know, now go
1: prove it. And the guys who don't prove it will be kicked to the side. And we'll go with the guys who did prove something. Same logic applies in the backfield. Where at running back, you have Khalil Herbert. You've got uh, Dante Foreman. You've got uh, Travis Homer. And you've got the rookie Roshan Johnson. <laughs> All guys who will be in the mix for carries, right? You've got four guys that we don't quite know exactly how they're going to be used, but we do know that Khalil Herbert will get the first carry in the first team team practice that's 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 what Luke had to say what else did he have to say Dan in terms of the running back usage well yeah
0: and David Walker the running backs coach said that the only thing I can tell you is that Khalil Herbert will get the first rep of the first team drill the next time we practice and after that all bets are off which means that's an open competition Khalil Herbert led the NFL last year in yards per rush attempt for for running backs that had over 80 attempts you know pretty good season for Khalil Herbert and now he's being pushed by a guy in Deontay Foreman who after Christian McCaffrey was traded to San Francisco had his breakthrough and had his big surge forward as an NFL running back. And now he's being challenged by Roshan Johnson, who has been labeled a pillar of the organization in his first two weeks as a bear and Travis Homer, who was kind of a, you know, second wave free agent signing to, to be a, a special teams piece and a, and a guy who can come in when needed, he's going to have to fight for a job. By the way, you got Kari game who's a fullback, who's probably going to eat up a roster spot for you if, if that's something you want to do with your offense. So now you've got a lot of mouths trying to eat, you know, and and now they're going to have to try to do this in a, in a healthy competition uh, through May, through June, through July, through August, and then when we get to September, we got to know who's doing what and what's expected of them. Let me just say I,
1: I respect the fact that you never forget to remember the fullback. And and I know that you just, keep on just, bring him up. That's I just, be, just
0: because it's a numbers game, right? Like and, and, and that's a right. number. If if you're gonna dedicate a roster spot to a long snapper <laughs> and you're gonna dedicate it, you know, it's just one less one less spot that you have available. And so it just heightens the urgency for these other guys to to show what they're made of so that they can they can figure in and, and have a seat in that
1: classroom uh, when the regular season begins. Let's hear from Luke Getse about what he had to say about the seats, uh, people filling the seats in that classroom.
2: I would say the vision isn't necessarily set yet, but uh, I think it's a really cool, uh, unique opportunity with guy, with a lot of guys that have a lot of experience. I think uh, the competition that room is going to be real, and so we're going to get to see um, – you know the best come out of each one of those guys, and it's, it's super important for that position to have multiple guys that can do it. Right? I mean, any there's not. I don't know if there's any team that can rely on one guy anymore with the pounding and the length of the season and all that stuff. So, I think it's awesome that we have as many guys as we do that we can. We feel like we can count on.
1: That's depth that they're proud of, and Dan, I think that it's going to be an interesting uh, to see how it unfolds because of how high they are on Roshan Johnson and just how much he looks the part. And I don't know, I guess this is the maybe kind of thing you say in early May. I don't know how Khalil Herbert fits because I don't know what they think of him. I, I don't know if he can stay healthy. And I don't know what they think of him if he does stay healthy. Because let's face it, he was here when they arrived. And he's not one of their guys, unlike Deontay Foreman, who they went out and signed, and Roshan Johnson, who they went out and drafted. Yeah, and he was a sixth round
0: pick, you know, uh out of Virginia Tech by way of Kansas and and, and not a guy that came into the league with a lot of hype and hullabaloo surrounding him. And, and he, he's had a nice couple years to start his career. Um, but now you're gonna be challenged to have a nicer year, you know, and 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 to show that you deserve to be a a, a lead dog on a team that's trying to chase bigger goals than the Bears have been chasing the last couple of years. And so um Look, this will all play out. And I think that there's a confidence within the coaching staff that, you know, this is a, a, a foxyism from back in the day that, oh, we don't make those decisions. Those guys make those decisions. That that these guys will put it on video with their practice habits, with the way they, they work, with the way they produce in the preseason. And then by the time it comes time to make a decision, you know, Labor Day weekend, they'll have uh, plenty of intel to feel confident that their decision is the right one.
1: This whole pod was worth it just for that imitation of John I'll Fox. do it every
0: week if you I have do. to.
1: I know you deliver every <laughs> single time.